I mean, he's been putting in work for so long. Putting in a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome to a special PAX Online edition of Putting In Work, the interview podcast as part of the 8-Bit Collective. We are powered by Audio-Technica, and I'm your host, John O'Peck, bringing you the first ever video version of the show for this panel. And we have to thank everybody joining us on Twitch. I'll be in there interacting with anyone who might have questions as we go. But today, we are deep diving into how performance can bring video game icons to life. And we're looking at both voice acting and motion capture. So we're joined by two of the very best in the business. Uh, between them, I think they've been in just about every video game franchise you could have <laughs> think of or ever heard of. And uh, first up, we have a Jedi, a Disney princess, a Metroid fighting bounty hunter, the leader of the Deadlock gang, and of course, the commander of the Normandy. It's Jennifer Hale. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. I might uh, edit in some thunderous applause since there's no live <laughs> audience. But, uh, Can I have that as my morning wake up? Yeah. <laughs> right? And then alongside Jennifer, we have your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He is the Prince of Persia, the savior of Sunset City, and a crucial member of the Persona 4 investigation team. Yuri Lowenthal. How you doing, Yuri? Thank you. I'm doing well. Thank you. I mean, as well as any of us can in, in this uh, unprecedented and weird moment in yeah. life. I have to ask, how did I do introducing you? Because you've each done about a thousand <laughs> different roles that was, throughout your career. That was good. So, yeah. That was good. I should have I you remember. do my introductions. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why I always leave it up to you know the, the, the host to do that because I'm... I mean, you know, we work under NDA all the time or code name and then it's a couple of years before things come out and people will sometimes right. hand me stuff and I'll be like, oh, I'm in that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah and it. because oh, NDAs cool. are so strict... I'm I'm afraid to talk about things sometimes, even after it's come out. I'm like, oh. I, I maybe I should. Um, I'm not sure. I have to uh, consult the company mm. before I. Yeah. I yep. so get that. I, I was <laughs> I kept getting texts from Erin Fitzgerald. She was at BlizzCon and I on the Friday of BlizzCon when they, mm. the year they announced Ash and I was scheduled to appear on the Saturday, but nobody mm. knew that. And she kept texting, going, "I'm hearing this trailer. They played it today. It's you." <laughs> and I was like. And I finally yeah. just emailed my agents. I'm like, can I please say yes or no? And they're like, go ahead. I was like, okay, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. For the, when they, they dropped that first Spider-Man trailer yeah. and clearly, clearly it was me. And clearly I was getting, you know, uh, texts and emails, stuff saying congratulations. <laughs> yeah. on the, and it, it took eight months from the time they dropped the trailer to the time that they wanted to announce who it was. So I had to spend like eight months uh, pretending that uh, I didn't oh know what God. anybody was talking texts. about. I so get this. I was in New York when they did the big, they did a big event for the um, Iron Man VR game and they're playing clips and I'm in New York and they they had Josh and Chantal there. And I was like, mm -hmm. can I say it? And they're like, nope. And nope. they finally yep. just announced like a month ago that I'm Pepper Potts in the new Iron Man VR. I was like, oh my God. Congratulations, <laughs> by the way. I didn't even know that. That's amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Mocap, man. Doing that mocap was, you know, it's the best. It's a, oh, yeah, we'll it's we'll a, get we'll get awesome. into all that yes. good details right. very, very soon. We've, so. you, we've totally hijacked you, John. No, it's good. We we want the banter. So that that's what we're here for. Um, <laughs> oh, we can banter. Just ask any voice yeah. director. <laughs> so yeah, I, I guess that's, like... that's what this is going to devolve into. I promise you. <laughs> I'll yeah, try and you're in. They're they're actually they're more like um like very strict elementary school teachers. Mm, okay. <laughs> they don't want to shut up and focus. I will try and direct you, but I'm, well, I might not be uh, quite as good as an audio engineer. So I think like um like all the superheroes that you've both portrayed and uh like you just mentioned with Pepper Potts, it's it's probably good to start off with some origin stories. So 
Uh, Jennifer, what is the, the thing about voice acting that hooked you back at the start of your career in the arts? Because I'm sure, you know, as a, as a young actress in whatever decade that was, there was many avenues to go down and you probably didn't think I'm going to be known for video games, right? No, I was hooked by the fact that somebody paid me $30 to do a commercial. I was like, what? I think it was 35 to be fair. It was 30 or 35. <laughs> I, uh, I'd gone to a fine arts high school and I, my thing was rock and roll. I was, I'd been singing in clubs for a short time at that point. And um, I started singing in clubs when I was 15. It was illegal. <laughs> Um, but you know, I acted like an adult. Um, <laughs> I sort of went to a certain age and stopped there. Um, I know I regressed anyway. Uh, yeah, just the fact that I got paid to come in and do a, a voice acting spot. And then these beautiful humans at the studio where I did it were kind enough to mentor me because I pestered them a lot. And then I put on a little suit and I went door to door and I was still in my teens, like to ad agencies with my little hair in a bun, cold calling ad agencies to get work. And, Adorable. and um, I just, mm -hmm. I saw it as a way forward. I have a business degree and I remember sitting in university and just going, I mean, I loved, it was statistics and I loved statistics or maybe it was accounting, which I actually weirdly enough really liked too. And I remember thinking, I can't do a traditionally structured job. I'll go crazy. So this is, was perfect. Yeah. And was there a point where voice acting, like the, the voice part of that became the focus for you that you remember? It was the first paid, well, the first paid gig I got was an on-camera commercial, but mm. the voice one really captured my heart because I think it was the, I could feel the infinite possibility of it and I could feel that I could build it into something. And I'd always had this kind of relationship with my voice. I didn't even know voice acting existed, um, but I, I sort of knew there was something inside. I had a, I was an extremely shy kid. I moved a lot and one of the towns I lived in was, the kids were pretty vicious and I, I was bullied a lot and I was isolated quite isolated so I never really spoke up in class but one day at a career you know survey of what possible careers there are they were talking about advertising and they asked about a slogan for a certain coffee thing an old coffee commercial and out of my very shy very closed mouth flew this thing going they said what's the slogan does anyone remember the slogan and I went just involuntarily it's mountain grown and everyone fell out laughing and I turned bright red. I was like, let the earth swallow me now. So voice acting where you're in a booth and you're isolated was a phenomenal um, thing that I just was lucky enough to fall into. Yeah. Very cool. I want to, I'm drinking my coffee right now and thinking, yeah, mountain, mountain grown. That does sound, <laughs> that does sound good. Um, Yuri, the same question to you. Like was, was there a point where yeah. the voice came out as, as the, the way forward for you? Yeah, you know, I think for everyone, it's a slightly different path, but we all get to that same uh, point. I had come out to Los Angeles to do TV and film, and I, you know, come from theater in New York, and I was just looking for, for work, and we were, both my wife and I, who were, you know, we were doing, the, we came out to do the same thing, and we were trying to find things besides waiting tables and, you know, to being secretaries to make money. Like, like what can we do as actors? And mm -hmm. Tara said... Uh, what about voice acting? And I'm embarrassed to, to say that I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that because I was the one in the family who grew up, you know, watching cartoons and playing video games. Like that should have been the first thing that I thought of, but it seemed somehow like this job that wasn't available to any, you know, mortal beings. Mm. Um, so I didn't, I hadn't even considered it. And so we both took, you know, took a basic class and we made a demo and we started, you know, just beating the pavement, you know, getting that out and trying to, you know, auditioning and, and so on. And one little gig led to another little gig. I think my first 
paid gig doing that was a CD-ROM. Hey kids, remember CD-ROMs? No, you're too young. <laughs> you remember? Okay. Uh -huh. um, so it was a CD-ROM that came with like, if you bought a two liter bottle of 7-Up or something like that, it came with the CD-ROM, this mm. game you could play. And I think that was my first one of those things. And, and then I also sort of simultaneously had been, the guy I had taken the class with got a job directing anime dubs. And mm. he started, so he started auditioning students of his. And I got into that world as well. And so it all came together very quickly. And, you know, much like Jennifer just said, the infinite possibilities, the, the empowerment, I think, is what did it for me. Mm. Um, as actors, you know, we have very little uh, power as far as, you know, we, they, they cast you for, for this right here and what you look like, and they can't see outside that. Uh, but all of a sudden, so many more things became available. So many more different roles and so many more different stories became mm -hmm. available because I can sound different than I, I sound different than I look right now. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I still sound, you know, like I'm, you know, in my teens. Uh, and I'll you, hold on to that as yeah. long as I can. You sound like uh, Spider-Man. <laughs> right. It's crazy, right? Um, <laughs> although I guess with Spider-Verse now, you can, you can start casting all sorts of ages yeah. of Peter Parker. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but, uh, but that was sort of, yeah, yep. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's where it sort of uh, took off for me. And while I still, while I'm still different parts of me are fulfilled by different types of acting and acting in different arenas from theater to on camera and so on. Uh, this has been the lifesaver. This has been the mortgage payer. This has been, you know, the lifeblood and, mm. uh, it's so great. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So you mentioned growing up watching cartoons and playing games it's possible that jennifer was in some of those because you were doing a lot of animation in the early early 90s possible, right i mean you would have been a bit older i'm not yeah. saying that like you were a child when jennifer was acting <laughs> so you're saying i'm yuri's mom <laughs> but um I, I'm, I guess i'm older than i look yeah. uh, i guess my, my yeah, point I mean, is that voice probably act, yeah no. and voice acting was probably less common in video games when when you were starting out jennifer it was more like the the tv and, and film when did you realize that voice acting was becoming this more reliable source of work in, in video games specifically? Um, well, I mean, like Yuri, I came out to, I started my voice acting stuff in a small town. Well, yeah, what we consider a small market. And actually for anybody starting out, that's a really great hack because you can get a huge volume of experience because the pool of talent available to them is smaller so you can hit more things. You can expand into side markets that are near you. Um, and really get a lot of experience. So that's, that was my first step. And then I moved to LA like you, Yuri, to get the film and TV work. And I was that I'll just make a tape to make some money because I know how to do yeah. that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and now I've lost track of your question, Jono. Um, uh, when, when video games became that reliable like, yes. source. That, that actually, I had a reason for going down that road. <laughs> um, and I remember, like I've been doing this a long time, you know, and one of the things that I learned early on, which was a lifesaver to figure out because I didn't take it personally, is that you're going to be in fashion and you're going to be out of fashion. It has nothing to do with you and your talent. Mm. You're just, mm. it's your turn and then it's not your turn. Then it's your turn and then it's right. not your turn. So for me, just as a business decision, if I had multiple avenues that I could pursue to bring an in income, you know, animation, commercials, I honestly went and made a voice tape hoping to make some money doing some commercials because I wasn't even allowed to watch cartoons as a kid. <laughs> <You know? Right. laughs> wasn't. And I didn't play video games. I was in a rock and roll band working 30 hours a week and going to university all at the same time. So I had no time. Um, but um, so 
I started my first break in LA was uh, my first audition was the series where on earth is Carmen San Diego. And that wow. was my first game nice. as well, because they made the game to go with it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was at a time when they'd buy a 64 episode, you know, series by. And so ah, the good old days. I know. I kept thinking I was going to get fired every week because I had no idea what I was doing, but I dove into class like <laughs> I, you. I still feel that way. Oh my, it's amen. Right. I'm like, okay. Right? So but many years later. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. I don't yeah, care. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I got yeah. fired again. I don't know what. Yeah, you're not a professional until you've been fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, there'll be another one. Um, right. But um, so I recognized that as much as I was in fashion and say animation, it was going to be some, they're going to need a break. And, you know, I'd bump to a different seat on the animation train. And mm-hmm. then I would, and then commercials took off. And then games. So when games came along, the workload on games was decidedly different. To the workload in animation because it's the same the booking is essentially the same generally it's a four hour well for voice acting mm-hmm. as opposed to mocap it's a four hour session mm-hmm. and in that four hour session in animation you know yuri and i are sharing the load with our other castmates and we're all taking turns and doing the dog and pony dance there over that time and there's a few breaks and there's chit chat and this and that and in a game session well and also you get the script ahead of time and you're recording generally in sequence of the storyline in games it's a four-hour one-person show and you get a couple of pee breaks and that's it and you generally most of the time don't get the script ahead of time and it's out of sequence and it's a very mentally intense process and i remember in the beginning I just said, sure, because <laughs> I was all about squirreling away the money. I wanted to buy a house and I wanted, I just wanted to work. And I, I never knew when I was going to be out of fashion. So I just busted it as long as I was in fashion, you know, make hay mm-hmm. while the sun shines. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was kind of my approach. And weirdly enough, that just led me into more and more games and into falling in love with that format and, and also getting to ride a really interesting uh, evolutionary curve as visuals change so the acting could yeah. change and then the whole mm-hmm. format opened up to the stories and the universes just got cooler and bigger and more diverse and yeah yeah that's that's really yeah. cool i'm interested in that evolution because you it feels like you've been there for the whole thing you know you you, you were in Baldur's gate and then uh you know metal gear solid as naomi it's like that at least for me as a, a young uh 10 year old gamer it was like this is where i realized that games could do similar things to what film and movies could do the narrative experiences that you could um get the performance out of that rivaled those mediums so i wouldn't have expressed it that well as a 10 year old but that's that's how i look back at it now Um, if you had i'd have chased you down as a genius Um, um but was there a point that you realized that games had that potential suddenly i it's funny when i'm when i'm doing things I, I do the, I'm very much in the moment. I'm mm-hmm. very much Dory. I'm like, hello. Oh, hi. Who are you? You know, like, <laughs> right. I think you have to be because that's our job is to bring the moment to life mm-hmm. in the moment. And yeah. I never have an eye on, is this going to be a big game or not? Yeah, right. <laughs> if it's a big yeah. franchise, because sometimes it is, sometimes it's just not. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, but I always play everything as if it's has the potential to change the world for the better, because why not? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. why not stories can do that stories yes can do that, i believe yeah and this is a magic medium because it's not simply a narrative medium it's a medium of co-creation like these players are when they're choosing paths and choosing you know in the in the truly because it was interactive i remember my first game i don't know about you yuri but i was presented with just a list of flags and i'm like 
I just yeah. say, th- who am I talking to? All those, I think, <laughs> right. who am I talking to? What do I want? And they're like, just right. say the name of the flag. And I'm like, okay. Right. And after right. asking twice, I was like, just say the name of the flag, Jen. It's what you're being paid yeah. for. And it's like, okay. Right. But um, there's so much potential for power in this co-creation that we do together because the players choose the players pick and they spend so much more time with us than they do with a film Mm. or even a book. Like they spend so much time with us. Yeah, for sure. And Yuri, I think like for you, by the time you started picking up roles in like some popular games, like Prince of Persia, that shift into Mm -hmm. the cinematic storytelling in games had become a lot more common was was there a game that you remember playing or working on that made you realize you know this is going to be a career where i can sink my teeth into it and actually get some um you know help bring some memorable characters to life not just maybe you know what people kind of grew up thinking video games Mm -hmm. had the potential to do with storytelling I mean, you talk about The Prince of Persia, that was definitely one. I mean, I think that was the first one that I worked on where I had, uh, you know, where I was a lead character in it. And the writing was, it was one of those perfect storm games uh, yeah. where the writing was great and the gameplay was great. Um, you know, the, the story was great and the puzzles were like, everything sort of came together on that game. Sure. And I still consider myself very lucky. It's still to this day, you know, many years later, it's still one of my favorite uh experiences and one of my favorite roles and it yeah and the, the way people reacted like you know Jen said you never know you know when when I was protector of uh, Sunset City I thought that film or that uh, game was going to be the biggest game that year <laughs> if not you know and for whatever reason you know it catches fire or it doesn't and that had nothing to do I think with the project or the quality of the project or the storytelling or anything but you just never know um, so I've, I've gotten, you know, humbled so many times that I thought, thought something was going to be big or something was going to be great or something was really going to work. Uh, that, yeah, much like Jensen, you just got to sort of concentrate on that moment. You've mm. got to work with the people. It is a, a group thing. There's the, there's, you know, the, the writing that goes into it. There are the animators that are working with your performance. There's the direction from the, the voice direction, the animation direction, you know, all on down the line to that that part of the storytelling that oft gets forgotten that Jen just mentioned the player, you know, then the player writes Mm -hmm. the end of that story. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's in no way something that is, you know, whether you're the lead of the game or not, it's, it's never your game. It's never your game. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's a whole team's game. Um, And I, I love, you know, coming from theater. So like, I love being part of uh, an ensemble. I love being part of a, a group thing. And this is, this is always that whether you like it or not. Yeah. It's funny, Yuri, what you just said reminded me of a, a, a feeling I always have about it, which is I feel like I'm just the ink in the tip of the pen. <laughs> right. You know, I'm the part you see, but there's an entire, mm-hmm. here, there's an entire huge machinery that makes that all possible. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good way to look at it. But that ink is very, very important. <laughs> yeah, if it doesn't flow, you don't even care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't <Yeah>. land. <laughs> I mean, I've mentioned already, like you've been in some huge franchises over the years, Baldur's Gate, Metal Gear Solid quite early in that, that career. But I think a lot of people would associate you with Commander Shepard, um, mm-hmm. even if it's only one of, of, you know, 200 roles or whatever it is in, in games. Um, so I'm curious how significant the Mass Effect trilogy is in your career as a performer, you know, being able to come back after the first game and know that this is something that people are going to be you know it's going to be popular because there's this established IP now and 
there's going to be a, a bit more attention on it and you're going to be known for it to some level. So does, does that at least make you approach it with any other pers- uh, perspective? I never think of that. It yeah. pulls me out of what my job is. I, I can't. For me, the way this machine works, if yeah. I think of that my attention is on something that doesn't serve the writing and the piece, um, because then it becomes about me and it becomes about popularity and it becomes about money and it becomes about all those things. And, and, you know, and I, I love money, money to me, I design in a different way. It flows in a different way. Um, uh, meaning from in, intention and from sort of a big, big picture perspective. Um, I can't because, you know, my, my thinking is the most, my attention is one of the most powerful tools I have as a mm-hmm. human and where it goes is where I go, where my future goes, where my feeling goes, where my vibe goes, where everything goes. And when I show up to work, if my attention is on what I'm going, those things are about what I can get. Sure. And if I keep my attention there, I am diminished for what I can bring. And I, instead I keep my attention on who am I here you know, my job, who am I? What do I want? Who am I talking to? How can I bring, how can I, I'm so busy with the human connection, just all the acting work that I have to do to not be acting like the, the, you know, who am I? What's the humanity of this character? What do we have in common? What parts of me do I put on the shelf? What do I pull out? Oh God. Yeah. Okay. I have to access this piece of me. Am I serving the writer? Am I serving the writer? Am I serving the writer? Cause writers make the world go round. You know, I have to say this just, it just occurred to me. I got to serve uh, Yuri and Tara as, as, as writers and creators in this incredible project right. called shelf life that I had the best time. Look on. it up. It's all yes, on YouTube. Guys. 50 episodes. Yeah. Oh my God, it's so so good. I got to do right, one so much fun. dream. I got to play uh, this character called Killerina, which was, and these guys, they what they made was magic. And just to, to show up and serve creators like that, that's mm-hmm. what we do, right? Mm-hmm, and yeah. if we don't do it 100%, it's like auditions. My philosophy is if you go into an audition with an eye on how you're doing, you're not 100% there. Mm-hmm. You have to let go of it. And, and it's your one chance to do that piece for that few minutes at 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes or however long it is. You might get another one and there's a check attached, but this mm-hmm. is it. This is your chance to serve the writer. Go, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I wish that I could say it's always easy for me to divorce myself from that. And sometimes I think about it or I never think about it. But uh, I, I have found that when it's an iconic character that there's there already a lot of baggage attached to it. Yeah. Um, like say a, a Spider-Man or like any, you know, any, anything from, you know, the comics that I was reading, you know, growing up and mm-hmm. A, I can't, you know, I, what I'm doing and I still, you know, I like, I can't believe that it's happening. And B, like I, I, I spent three years working on Spider-Man confident that I was going to ruin Spider-Man for a whole new generation of, of game players. Like I, it was, it was, it's, it's such a huge, such a heavy mantle to, to, to wear, to carry. I was at, at the same time thrilled and at the same time terrified. Um, I, you know, I, in, in some ways I like characters that nobody's heard of before that I could just sort of get into and there's nothing attached. Uh, but on the other hand, because I'm a huge nerd, uh, every time I get to play one of those characters that, you know, that I knew growing up, uh, it's, it's just like, a, I can, you know, check, check that one. Nice. You know? Uh, so it's, so yeah, I, I, I try to, uh, Jen's definitely right on that. It's a lot uh, easier to work when you're not thinking outside, uh, you yeah. know, looking in, but uh, sometimes it's hard. Well, I think for me, it's a survival tool because mm-hmm. it falls into the category of things I can control versus things I can't. 
Yeah. And if I, the way my brain works, if I'm involved, I should be doing something to the best of my ability and I should know everything about it. Right. And if I don't have any control over it, I'll make myself bananas, not in a good way, like yeah. really ill, crazy, worrying about stuff I can't control. And that's mm -hmm. where that came from for me. It was not something I was born with. I had to really work for it. Like, no, mm -hmm. like dog training, like stop, stop. <laughs> right. yeah. no, yeah. no, you know, snap, snap, whatever it takes. I had to train myself <laughs> right. into yeah. this thinking. But I did it for purely for sanity reasons. Like I'll go crazy trying to worry about that stuff. I can't control that. Yeah. 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 So with Spider-Man Yuri specifically, like that performance seems like one that people will associate with you for a long time. So I can imagine as a human being, it would be hard to disassociate from that. Like you guys have just mentioned. So yeah, I, hope, it, so. I, hope, <laughs> I hope they do. I'm extremely proud of it. It's one of the yeah. greatest things I've ever done. You should done. be. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great performance and a great Thanks. game. But um, so to pick up a script like that and work with, the director and the, the dialogue engineer to bring a character to life that's got mm -hmm. so much, you know, behind it, so much reputation and mm -hmm. iconography. How, how do you approach that to do it justice? Well, again, I'll go back to that whole team aspect of it. Uh, whenever I felt nervous about that sort of thing, I had to go back and remember that everybody who was working on that game was a huge Spider-Man fan mm -hmm. and they all wanted to succeed. And they, when I was worried about failing, mm -hmm. I would, I would remember that they weren't going to let me, yeah. you know, that, that they were, if, if something wasn't working, we would, we would figure it out. Um, if it wasn't good enough, we'd make it better. Everybody cared so much on that. And also like Jen said, you know, the, when the writing is good, our job becomes extremely easy. Yeah. Uh, so, so luckily the writing was fantastic on there. It was a lot of people believed in it. So we were allowed a little more leeway than sometimes, you know, on a game that is, you know, they're really worried about uh, the budget and they're really worried about getting on time, all that stuff. Um, I think once we had done a certain amount of work on the game, enough people were like, oh, we should, you know what, this is, this is going to be good. We think we're going to give you guys maybe a little more time or a little more money. I mean, I'm not privy to those discussions, but that's how I felt it sort of went. Yeah. Um, and, and so we were allowed to, to take the time with it. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's trusting the other people around you. Mm. It's a trust fall, you know. I, I I I felt that if if something was not working, that they would tell me, and that we would fix it. And mm. you have to remember that every now and then, you know, when I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to ruin everything, you're like, <laughs> you know what? You're 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 giving yourself too much credit. It's not just you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they're they've <laughs> got good. you. So yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's really interesting. And I, and I think like Jen, I'm, I'm curious to you, like working with Bioware on a game like <clears throat> Mass Effect, as well as previous to that, the, the team process to bring a character to life that has since become iconic in gaming culture, like Commander Shepard. Mm. Um, for you, what, what's it like? Like we're here talking about bringing, um, making game characters iconic. So what is it, do you think about what you bring to that performance that has helped it do so well, aside from obviously the great writing? I mean, I, I don't know how much credit I can take. I can, I'll take the credit that belongs to me, which is I threw down with everything I had. And a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, told me the concept years ago of divine spark, which is when you're in touch with the highest and best parts of yourself. And you do a job like, for, for instance, our job, where it gets recorded and sent out to people. If you connect to that highest and best part of yourself, it will land on whatever transmission material exists and it will get transmitted out and it will spark people on the other side if there's whatever's mm. highest and best in them. Mm. Not in a literal way, not in a preachy way, but just in like this little little fairy dust kind of way. And I 
I held that very close and I was working with a group of people. I never said it out loud, but it doesn't need to be said, but um, I was working with a group of people who were absolutely committed to making a beautiful game and to making an incredible and profound experience. And it was, it was a collective joy. It was mm. really remarkable. We just hit a groove and there was no ego. That was the thing. It wasn't, there's a thing, you know, you're, you've, I'm sure you've bumped into this. Um, you know, you want to be something and then you hit it and you kind of become something. And then you're like, uh Oh, I'm something. I better be that something so I can stay that something. Right. You know, and I've found great salvation in being nothing. <laughs> if I am no thing, then I can be everything. I can be anything, right? I can just let it go. It, you know, this thing is mm -hmm. probably the releasing of the ego, which good Lord, that's a life's work, but at least yeah. turning it way down. And I think that team collectively, really, I didn't ever send, there was no ego anywhere in that zone. It was just all about channeling the muse and making something awesome. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. great. And with like so many lines of dialogue and optional dialogue and, I'm assuming it's it's probably a quite a disjointed recording process where it might be a, a real challenge to zoom out from the the page of the script and think <laughs> about the context of of how you're reading that line. Yeah. Um, so I think that you deserve uh, both of you with the games you've worked on a lot of credit for for making the character authentic and, and come to life with that in mind. Like the how like where am I? What's this scene? Yeah. Like, who am I talking to? You know, they're not yeah. in there acting with you. Um, so to, to bring that to the booth, uh, how do you, how do you kind of make that all work? Well, thank you for, for, for oh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, you go, for, go ahead, go, go. I was gonna say, thank you for, for giving, giving us some of that credit, but um, uh, the, having a good voice director on who has the whole picture, you know, in her head mm -hmm. is, uh, is a huge, uh, boon and because yeah we are often not given parts of the script or told other parts of the story <laughs> and having a director who can be there to immediately give you the information that you need in a very short period of time uh, one director worked on both spider-man and metal gear chris zimmerman mm -hmm. and she uh she she's she's you know been doing this long enough and uh with both with bo has a relationship with both of us that you know her her direction is very concise and very, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very, very straight <laughs> forward. And, uh, you know, if you, if you didn't already, you know, know the relationship, uh, you would think that we were the bad kids or something like that. Uh, but, uh, but she, uh, you know, having a good director who can, can, can impart that, uh, that, that type of information to, to allow you to know where you are in any given scene with any given mm. person, what the relationships are in the context is, yeah. is huge. That was it. My two words were voice director. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a good Unsung heroes. Like yeah. that's a panel mm -hmm. I would love to sit through is the, the voice directors talking about things from their perspective because mm -hmm. they are the invisible mm -hmm. hand that makes the difference. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'll, I'll try and line them up for next year. Then. Well, I can, we can definitely hook you up with Chris. Oh, great. That, that, would, be, that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think that's a good time to maybe seg into talking about motion capture because that is an instance where maybe you are able to perform with context and another person in front of you. I, I want to know what it was like for you guys the first time you did that. I don't know how long ago that was because it's a process that's been evolving, but I know that you did um, motion capture for Halo 4, Jennifer, is that right? Mm-hmm, a few things, yeah. Yeah, so um, the first time you did that, was it like going back to theatre or did it feel like a brand new thing because you've got, you know, little cameras all over your face or, you know, ping pong balls, wetsuit, whatever you want to describe it as? 
I'll speak briefly and then I'm going to hand it off to Yuri because he's done a lot as well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even, I can't even remember what the first mocap was I did. I was sitting here going, was yeah. it that one? Was it that one? Um, and you were talking about, uh, Jonah, you said working with actors face to face and I thought, yeah. or a tennis ball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did, right, right. Right when I was doing God of War, like, you know, I had to look at Kratos' face and he's eight feet tall. So oh. acting with an actor, but I'm talking to a tennis ball. <laughs> Talk to the tennis ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, Yuri, you can say, say your perspective on this, but my, my yeah. experience is it's the body's doing theater while the voice is doing film mm. and then the rest of you is doing pretend because you're jumping off giant gray boxes and hanging off scaffolding to be the ladder <laughs> yeah. of an airplane or talking into a gray box because it's the salvation of the world you know right. or yeah no it's yeah it's it's definitely that it's it's a very full circle thing for me i did i think my first mocap job i don't know exactly how long ago it had to be at least 10 years ago i guess but it was a racing game that uh they ended up scrapping all of the the mocap for it oh. <laughs> at the last minute. They're like, ah, oh, we don't need any of that. Um, but it was a great uh, training ground for me. But it it does feel very full circle. I started in theater, and you know, went into a booth where I, where I don't have the use of my body or my face to convey anything. And now we're back to it's 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 sort of unifying everything mm-hmm. in uh, in one. And I, I I love it. And I think it's why so much of what we do is solo in a booth and creating that performance based on imagine, you know, our imagination has to mm. be huge. Mm-hmm. And with motion capture and performance capture, we've been able to get that type of nuanced performance that you get when you have two actors face to face or as close as the camera will allow you to be face to face. Yeah. Uh, to to <laughs> another actor, sometimes it's Head awkward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've, I've had, we've clanked headgear. Yeah, I've, we've almost, you know, wrecked expensive cameras so many times. Uh, but having that, that's why I think the performances, to take Spider-Man, the, the cinematic performances, I think clicked because I was face-to-face with Bill Salyers, and he is a much better actor than me. And his <laughs> performance made my performance better. And if I had not been acting with him, uh, you know, on the stage. We had not been performing at the same time with our bodies and our faces and our voices and everything. Even with all the artifice of having to wear that suit and having dots on our face and a camera, those performances, probably if we had recorded them separately, would have been fine. They would have been great. And people still would have said, oh, it's a great scene. But that we were in the same room made them better. Mm. Um, and that's why I think the the, the cinematics and the and you know in that storytelling and in spider-man work so well is because they got the actors together in the in the room and i it's like putting on a play again but it's sort of like shooting a movie because yeah it's it's all it's a it's a weird synthesis of all those things and then sometimes uh you know very often on spider-man it was uh if spider-man was supposed to do something really cool in spider-man-y it was me standing over the shoulder mirroring a stunt guy uh Mm -hmm either mm. Ross or Seth, you know, who, who, who are, oh, I attribute half of my performance in Spider-Man to because, because if it was, you know, Peter Parker doing something nerdy or awkward, that was very likely me. Uh, <laughs> but if it was Spider-Man doing something cool, that was Ross or Seth probably yeah. um, because I'm, you know, too old to be risking my life flipping around uh, like a crazy person. Uh, so it was a, it was an interesting way of performing. Sometimes it was just my voice over mm. the shoulder of a guy whose movements they were going to take. And it was it was like a dance 
uh, it was like this really cool dance yeah. uh, with with a, with our stunt performance. That's so. great. I've heard you talk about that a little, and it sounds like you had a lot of fun working with them. Do you yeah. think motion capture is recognized enough as part of that equation to bring performances to life? I, yes and no. I think still uh, not enough is understood about that. Mm. You know, I love uh, people who champion that. Um, like Andy Serkis, you know, was out there to to let people know that. But but I think when you when you champion that end too much, you forget about the people who get overlooked or the animators who then take your performance and turn it into what it is you'll eventually yeah. see. So it's so even at that level, yeah, even at that level, there's so there's so many more things that that are happening that people aren't aware of. Mm -hmm. So uh, so yes, I think it's I think it's becoming a little more recognized, but I think it's still very misunderstood. Mm -hmm. There are uh, a lot of people who still don't, because they used uh, a separate actor in Spider-Man because I'm older than the 23 they were looking for, there is an actor that they modeled the, 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 the face, look off yeah. of, the face off of. And so everybody assumes that he also did all the performance while I just did the voice, which is, right. which is not the case. So, you know, it's, there's, it's, very, it's very intricate and yeah. uh, subtle. It kind of reminds me of like Star Wars. You've got James L. Jones, mm -hmm. as everyone knows as Darth Vader, but who was the performer? It was some David like, Prowse. Yeah, it David was some Prowse, six yeah. foot seven, six foot eight guy that bodybuilder. You know, <laughs> a lot of people don't know. He's he's not the household name of James L. Jones, right. but he was the the, the visual performer. Um, yeah, I'm curious, what is more challenging for you guys? Because there's there's an authenticity of a scene when you're um, out there acting with someone. Uh, but when you're in a booth, you have to convey that without being able to do it. But then you're able to give the more clear and nuanced performance that you might not be able to do when you're running around and focusing on mm -hmm. stepping in the right place and where's the camera and where's the other person out there with me. So, yeah, I'm curious of, of voice acting where it's a bit more on your on your vocal or the, the physicality of, of mocap. Which one of those is the greater challenge? I don't, I don't distinguish a lot between the two. I, I mean, there are distinctions that are necessary and in, in voice acting in the booth, it's don't move out of the box, mm -hmm. you know, and I move a lot outside the box, but don't wear anything noisy and don't make, don't, don't move this. Everything yeah. else moves. And I tend to, I will, I didn't realize this till somebody pointed it out. Well, no, I did, but I didn't spend a lot of mental time on it. I will take a line off the page, sort of instant memorize it, pick it up and say it to my pretend friend in the room with me who I try to place here or here so I don't go off mic. <laughs> um, and accidentally, sometimes my imagination puts them over there and I get in trouble because I turn my head. Um, <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. And then with, so that's the one restriction is I don't move this, but everything else is happening the same. And then with mocap, everything else moves. It just has to move according to a prescribed formula. And I've got to get it in my body so that I can actually relax and be in the moment. One of the differences though, that I think is, is untapped magic for voice acting is our interaction in games is our interaction with each other. There is that extra magic Yuri was talking about. In addition to somebody raising the game, raising the level for us, you know, depending on what's happening in the moment, there's just that un. Uh, I don't know, unnameable magic that happens with another human being when you're actually there with them and talking to them and, and present with them. And that to me is the gold. Like even now, even in our current, you know, COVID structure, you can do a group record, you know, virtually like it's possible. And that's mm -hmm. the magic. I hope that we tap into that more because that raises the level and it raises the level of connection and it gives them more of that secret sauce that helps games be more popular. Mm. Yeah.
Yuri, uh, anything to add? Uh, no, I, I mean, I think she, uh, I think she nailed, nailed it. it. Yeah. All right. I don't know where this fits in, but I just want to mention how much I love the fact that you recorded uh, Spider-Man lines in case you was, the character was swinging through the air. And that's a great story. <laughs> that was something that they, they hadn't started out doing at the very beginning, but then realized that they didn't know uh, certain lines would trigger. They, they were like, well, this, this line is going to be triggered. You know, he might be just sort of sitting there or he might be swinging, you know, through the city. And usually, you know, in games, I mean, it's, that's not a new concept to, to games for sure. Yeah. But in the past, what they'll say is, give us a read that might work sort of with both. Right. And you have to sort of go down the middle and it could sort of yeah. work with both. And this time they were like, you know what, we really want to try something. We want to have sort of an at rest, a sort of a calmer read, mm -hmm. and then a read that feels more like it's in action. Mm -hmm. And we'll program it so that you know, we'll code it so that one or the other will trigger depending on what you're doing. And we weren't sure if it was going to work. And it was, it was, it, it was, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, and, and yeah. And when people noticed, you know, we, we, or whether it was going to work or, or people would even sort of notice, but people noticed immediately. And I feel bad for games that are coming out after that because now everybody's like, oh shit, now, you know, and we all have to do that um, to, you know, to get that. that in the bar. That certain, right, exactly. Yeah. Which I'm not, I'm not sad about. Um, also, you know, I, I got called in for more sessions because I had to record two versions of so much of the script that it was, you know, I get paid by the session. So it, mm. it actually worked out. It, it was, was, people's like, oh, that must have been so much harder for you. I'm like, it was more work, but it was more work. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. It, was, it was great, though. I, I adopted a... Um, I don't know if, if they've ever posted any sort of video of me recording the two different versions, but one is me like right in front of the mic. And then one is me in front of the mic doing this, you know, like just to sort of get the feel that, you know, that there's some movement in yeah. it. You know, your lungs get compressed differently when you're, and, and at first we had to dial it in because when I was first trying to find the two different things, they were like, I remember he's, he's Spider-Man. It's not, it's not so hard. Like this yeah. is, you're sitting up, you sound kind of constipated, you know, we, let's, it's easy for him. He's, he's, in, he's Chris, in motion, right? but right. Yes, it would. <laughs> um, he's, he's in motion, but you know, he's Spider-Man swinging through the city is what he does. So we had to find that sort of just delicate balance mm. of effort without seeming like it was hard for him. One? Yeah. We had yeah. a head mic and a mic in front. <laughs> yeah. It's a, because yeah, because then also you're getting it. You can move a little more because the mic's not right in front of you. And when you go out, cause it's, it's stuck to your forehead basically. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what, that's the way they do it when you're in the mocap suit and they've yep. taken to uh, adding that mic in the booth when you're recording VO so that they have that version as well as the, you know, the nice mic. In front of that's why I keep this in my booth. Yeah. Now. This that's the way, yeah. 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 Baseball <laughs> yeah. cap in the booth is, is a de rigueur now. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. The magic, how the magic happens. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry if we've uh, if you've now you've seen how the sausage is made. You can't uh, unsee it or unhear it. It's, don't it's watch the making of the sausage show if you don't want to know how it's made. <laughs> right. Right. That's true. That's true. You're tuning in. That's it. It's a panel for for the sausage. Who chose this? Yeah. It's the sausage show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Sorry. 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 The, the mostly sausage show between me and John. <laughs> It's um no it's a it's a great detail and it's something like if you're playing a game like Red Dead and they're riding horses and they're 15 meters apart it, it mm -hmm. you know it, it, you do notice like they're yelling across to each other and it it does bring that kind of sense of realism that 
I think and the coconuts really, really make it live. Yes. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think from the, the past few things we've we've been talking about, we can agree that um, video game developers are wizards and and magicians, and uh, anyone that works in games should be praised for for skills that are hard to comprehend. <laughs> oh. Right. Pretty much. And the hours, yeah. the sheer volume of work they do, the, the load yeah. that they carry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm interested now, this show is called Putting In Work, and I want to know what's the hardest part of, of what you do or what the hardest part of your journey to get to where you are at the moment. Hmm. To keep putting in work. Because the work, you know, we, we, we talk in such glowing terms about, you know, doing the work that we do because once you've, you know, you've got that job, but that's the fun part. But hmm. getting each of those jobs, uh, you know, we still audition all the mm-hmm. time and don't get most of the jobs we audition for it. So it's like, if you had to go out for you know, a job interview, if you had to go out for like five or six job interviews a day and you got maybe you know, one in a hundred, yeah. um, you know, dealing with that type of rejection over time, you gotta, you, gotta find a, you gotta find a way to love even that part of it or at least not be destroyed when you don't get something. Like it's, you, gotta, you can't take it personally, mm. but that's still, that's, <laughs> that's the work, you know? I it guess. is. I think, yeah, I agree hundred percent with that. That's beautiful. You're right. It's not taking things personally and keeping your center and your faith in yourself uh, like concrete, regardless of outside circumstances, yeah. defining yourself from the inside out, not the outside in. And it's hard. I'm, you know, I'm not going to say I'm immune to disappointment. There, there's certain jobs. Like when I read the script or I do the audition, I'm like, please let me get this. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm, I try not to, th- you know, cause once you do an audition, you send out the ether, you got to forget it. But there are some every now and then I'm like, oh, I wonder if they're still trying to decide who to cast. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, please. Uh, just because I'm a nerd and, you know, sometimes a job will come up and it's, you know, Star Wars related or it's a comic book character. And I'm just like, please, 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 please. But um, you got to, you can't, you know, and then, you know, and then you could still get fired. You could get it and get fired. Oh, yeah. Which happens. So. We've all been there. Yeah. I think one, that's one of the great things about this community is that there's not, like, competition is... I can almost say it doesn't exist. I, I compete within myself, but everyone in this community is is insanely talented and could do any and all the jobs that come through the door. Like everybody's amazing. And ev- I haven't experienced ho- hostility or ickiness in our community. Like people are genuinely awesome. Not like they, in the on-camera community for sure. I remember, I remember coming to this, when I, when I was first doing this, I remember getting a call from a guy, another actor who I, I had met recently and we got along, uh, but he was basically, you know, we we're basically the same type. We would go out for the same things. I remember getting a call from him saying, hey, did you go read for this video game they're reading for over at X Studio? And I'm like, no. He's like, you should totally go and crash the audition. Um, you'd be perfect for it. And then he, you know, we talked, and then he hung up and, and I was like, what just happened? Did my <laughs> competition just call me to make sure that I was getting in on something? Like what, this would never happen, you know, and on, on the backstabby, you know, on camera world that, mm. you know, and the, the theater world even, you know, that, that I'd come from. So yeah, the, the community is, is extraordinary. Yeah. I've had a good amount of voice actors on this show before, some really amazing people and they all just have so much compliments for each other and, and for you guys. And it's, it's really uplifting. It seems so positive and um, yeah. on, on that, like I, I talked to Sissy Jones at PAX a couple oh, of years ago okay. and she mentioned yeah. like when I asked her for her advice for voice actors, she said, read this book that Yuri 
and I think you and your uh, wife wrote together. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I want to know what was it that made you realize that you had kind of the experience and insights that even like working actors like Sissy would benefit from? I don't know. All I know is that, uh, you know, we had gotten to a place, uh, Tara and I, where, where people kept asking us, uh, people who wanted to get into the business, uh, mostly younger people and, you know, um, the acting students and fans and uh, who were very curious about it would ask us sort of the same questions over and over. And we thought, wow, what would be a way that we could answer everybody's questions and not have to keep rewriting it every time yeah i mean it was almost born of laziness um no not really but book out of laziness yeah yeah, but um we were like what can we and so we started compiling that into a book that that it was it would be much the response would be much easier instead of saying hey well we'll type up all you know all the things that we think would be like here's a book (laughs) you know that would be all the things that we could tell you over coffee and and more so that's that was sort of how that that came to be and then we just a year or so ago, we came out with, because we'd written that book almost 10 years ago, uh, sort of the extended edition of that book, which is which has a lot more about performance capture and motion capture and the things that have really evolved over the last decade since we wrote the book. That's cool. And I know, Jennifer, like speaking of Sissy, you've worked with her doing some workshops. I think it's specialized workshops in actor tactics or SWAT. Great acronym. Um, what's- uh, well, that, that organization was born of... Um, the understanding that it happened right after the strike, the game strike, the voice right. actors for games. And um, I wanted to connect to the devs. I thought it was just so important to go, you guys are amazing and we adore you and we mm-hmm. love you. And I also was very aware that when you write, a, and I'd just done a bunch, a couple of screenplay readings in people's living rooms, that when you write a movie, when you write a TV show, when you write a play, you've got friends and they all get together in your living room and they just kind of sound it out and see how it goes. And I thought there's nothing like that for games. So we've got a, we just sort of put together a core crew and Mm. we're available. We do these just like, it's a couple hours, just it's sort of a a table read just to try your stuff out. Mm. And it's sort of a, it's a free community service organization, if you will, to devs to, and it, it fosters connection. It also allows people to see what's possible with voice actors, like people don't always recognize. They think, okay, I need 10, 10 men and, and uh, you know, eight women. You know, like, no, no, you need five guys, maybe three or four, and maybe, you know, three or four women. Right. It will cover all that for you and it'll all sound great. Mm-hmm. They don't realize what's possible. So, and also they don't always understand what, how amazing the stuff is once they hear it out loud. And it's just a chance for the, it just blossoms into growth for everything. Mm. That's cool. I wonder if there's something that you have both taught, whether it's through the book or through those classes that even a lot of experienced actors might overlook that you've just learned over the years. Is it going to matter in five years? Is it going to matter in five years? Be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. You, once you become a performer or a creator or anything, a human (laughs) who does anything creative, and I think everything's creative, you're two people. You're the kid self that makes the creation and plays in the sandbox. And you're the grown up who adults and is the patron for the creative soul and goes out and has the job that you may love, you may not, but it makes all that possible. You are Mm -hmm. two people. This one knows about finances and budgeting and money and adulting Mm -hmm. and lifing and, you know, handling stuff. And this one Mm -hmm. just gets to play. And this one is always kind to this one. That's one thing I started dreading auditions (sighs) a while back. A good while, a long while back. I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. I just wanted to quit. I was miserable and I couldn't figure out why. 
until I dialed into how I was talking to myself in my head that I wasn't even aware of. I was so mean. I was so mean. And I went, no wonder I don't want to show up for auditions. I, I beat the heck out of myself. <laughs> right. No wonder. I yeah. thought, okay, my work now is to use every audition as an opportunity to be good to myself. And that's the reason mm -hmm. I'm going, you know, so that, that was very helpful for me. Yeah. I'm, st I'm still, I'm still working on that. I, you know, some, somebody said something along the lines of uh, when you're, when you're talking to yourself, if, if you wouldn't say that to somebody else, <laughs> then you shouldn't be saying it to yourself either. It's, you know, it's not kind. And I, mm. I'm still working on being okay with that or, or being better about that. But I, I definitely see what you're saying, Jen. That's actually my um, pro I'm launching yeah. a thing called the head game where it's um, there's so many great classes and so many great resources like your book and things like that to teach Thank people you. how to do this. Mm. But the trick is to bring yourself forth once you come in that room. Yeah. And if you're kicking yourself the whole way, that's going to be more and more mm. difficult. And it's just a yeah. place to put some practices and some tools in place that are like, hey, how, do, but then how do you stop doing it? Let's look at that. Right. What are the mechanics of it? Where do you screw yourself mm. over? Okay. Mm. <laughs> Here's yeah, an alternate. Right. Stop sticking the fork in your eye and maybe a washcloth. Right. <laughs> put something <laughs> in your eye. <laughs> no. Right. Right. Yeah. Very cool. All right. So this is the time where you guys, I know you've worked together, your friends. I want to give you an opportunity to ask each other a question about, the work you've done or approaches to acting something that I wouldn't think of. Hopefully I have one. Go for it. Go. Yuri, what would you say to yourself 20 years ago? Which, what would you tell yourself if you could go back in time and tell yourself like a couple things you wish you had known then <sighs> what would you tell yourself? You're going to be Spider-Man. Right. <laughs> no, I, see, if I had said that, <laughs> I never would have, I never would have believed it. So, and I, and I still barely do even now. Um, <laughs> I I think I would I think what I would say to myself is um, that you don't and I don't mean this in a glib way you don't have to do anything and what I mean by that is don't try to guess what it is that they want in a performance if you just let yourself do whatever you're going to do sometimes it's going to be right for what they want and sometimes it's not but it's always self defeating to try to to try to guess what it is they want and give them that. Mm. So just the, the, the one thing that you have that nobody else can do better than you is, just, is you. And to learn more about yourself and to be honest about who you are and not think that, that what you are isn't enough or it's bad or, it's, uh, it, or it won't work or it's not what they're looking for. It's not what that other guy did. It's not what that guy in the waiting room is clearly going to do. And that's clearly what they're looking for. Um, you know, <laughs> You just got to go in and do you and walk away um, and, and know that that is the, the right thing to have done. It's the sort of, that's the long winded mm. answer. No, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. That's yeah. good. I've, I've spent so many years and still do occasionally, you know, stuck in that. Yeah. And then I remember that it's not up to me and uh, nothing that I can really do is going to either make or break. Cause I just got to go and do the thing, you know, show up, do it and and walk away and sometimes it'll work and sometimes it won't it's so funny listening to you i can really get something that someone has told me before which is that doing what you just described is devaluing yourself hugely right, right. and then it was remind it reminded me of something else which is that all that critical voice in the head mm -hmm. is self-abuse do you want to engage in self-abuse you right. know yeah right so. what, how does that serve you 
Yeah. I'm, I'm still, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that I still don't engage in it sometimes, but you know, how does it, how does it serve you? I would also like to tell my, I, I would like to sit in the uh, a row behind me when I was watching Stand By Me and go, hey, see that guy, Will Wheaton up there? <laughs> what, one day he's going to be your friend. You guys are going to play D&D together as a child. <laughs> That's, um, because that would just that would just blow my uh, my high school mind. Uh, but but I have a, I have a question for Jennifer, and it's a current it's a current question. Um, how do you, in our current situation, uh, what do you do to get through the day? One, at, you know, alive and sane, um, and to stay uh, creative and engaged. Because I'll tell you, it's been hard. Well, I'm alive. Sane is a high mark. Sure. <laughs> probably higher than we deserve to even shoot for these days yeah yeah i actually go to there's a lot of podcasts there's this one podcast right now that's crazily enough it's it's like a life raft it's the jim fortin podcast he's amazing okay. i love it. It, it it's like a it's like a little little floaty when i need one in the ocean i slow down i expect a lot less of mm. myself i mean in that whole question in a year, in six months, in three weeks, is this going to matter? And if it's not, what matters? What matters? And you get me all choked up now, Yuri. You did that on purpose. What, ma- <laughs> what matters? Selfishly, I want to know. I want to cheat and tell, you know, oh. cheat off your paper and, and do whatever it is you're doing that's working. My kid fed. Is my kid fed? Um, did I get fed? Did I have enough water today? Uh, is there food for the next 24 hours? Have I missed anything at work? And did I go outside? I go outside. I force myself to go outside and put my feet on the ground and literally ground myself to the earth for just, I was like, I, my kid, I picked him up from something yesterday and he was, cause I'm lucky enough that where we are, he gets to go do things. Cause we're very, very clear of cases right now. Mm-hmm. And I took my shoes off and I put my feet on the ground and I just made myself sit still. And you know what? I, I seek silence in any pocket I can find it. Like right now, I would just, when the thoughts come up, I just, you know, just, I just go as silent as I can. Just as, as, you know, as mindless as I can. Just as la la la. Because it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And everything's okay. And look at us. We're, we're doing so much. We're in a, we're in a paradigm shift that didn't take 10 years. It took about 10 weeks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah, we're yeah. expecting ourselves to, to function like normal. That's, that's not nice. Mm-hmm. We, 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 if you, would you expect it of your kid? If you'd expect it of your kid, then if you wouldn't expect it of your kid, don't expect it of yourself. You yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Be kind. Well, also, I think of the big picture. I'm a... I learned a long time ago that the vibe I have, the vibe each of us have affects the vibe of everything and every, the whole planet as a whole. And I just don't want to stink up the space. So I just try to go for neutral. If I can't go for happy, just go for zero. Yeah. That's good. Noted. Thank you. Yeah, that's really good. We're and running, I love- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We are running out of time. So I have to ask something that I ask everybody and we'll get some quick responses. I, I want to know if you could do anything and know that you wouldn't fail, what would you do? Yuri, you can go first. Oh, thanks for that. <laughs> uh, I've uh, I've uh, high high goals. Uh, <laughs> um, if I could, uh, 
heal this divide yeah. uh, in people today. If I yeah. could, if I could, if I could bring kindness and compassion to everyone and, and the ability, you know, to, to empathize uh, with each other's plight and to not live mm-hmm. in a place of fear. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a tall order, but um, I think uh, it'd go a long way to, to healing uh, people and planet both. So that's good. We're getting deep on this podcast. Yeah. Sorry guys. You know, no, it's, it's good. You're thinking, you can yeah. do that. You can do it right now to start with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or to, or to go to Spider-Man when you help someone. <laughs> yes that's Aunt may said that and uh it's it, i mean that the, the the game is is filled with wisdom but that is the one that if i had one takeaway mm. uh, that's say it one. again if when you, you helps when you help someone you help everyone mm. jan is there any what would you do if, if you couldn't fail oh, jesus <laughs> save the world um <laughs> i would make albums all day i'd make music all day write songs all day yeah i finally let myself release some of my music last month and it was Mm. i loved it so much um and go around working with anyone who wanted to in ways to empower them to be kind to themselves and and love themselves exactly where they are so then they can breathe and start going where they want to go Beautiful. And the more the more selfish answer would be, I just want to uh, make like indie horror films. I just like to be on set for <laughs> indie horror films and make those for. Uh, I want to like I'm approaching my Elijah Wood uh, section okay. of my career. I think where that's all I want to do. What's wrong with that? All right. Well, I say thanks for joining us, uh, both of you guys. It's been really fascinating and, and insightful, and I think that people would have learned a lot about the process. And um, you've obviously got the the experience and the the leadership ability to to kind of impart the the essentials so i think you've done a great job thank, thank you Jonah. thanks for thank having you. us and today. thanks to everybody out there for mm-hmm. all the amazing work you do and for mm-hmm. watching and for playing and for for just being here yeah, yeah thank, you. And thank you for thank you for uh, allowing me and jennifer to hang out for a little yes. bit because we haven't gotten to in a while and selfishly you. that's that was kind of awesome it's funny <laughs> that it, it takes like someone organizing like a, a podcast or something to to catch mm-hmm. up with with people sometimes but hey yeah. uh, i have to thank everybody watching at home uh pax online thanks to audio technica if you want to catch these guys in some games uh, iron man vr is out right now and jennifer is, is in that game as uh, pepper Potts. uh upcoming halo infinite whenever that comes out and i have a feeling that yuri will show up as peter parker and miles morales on, on the ps5 but hey nothing Nothing can be confirmed. Just look at the shrugs and <laughs> and make up your own mind. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, for more interviews like this, you can subscribe to Putting in Work on your podcast service of choice. But don't go anywhere because Pax Online has plenty more to come. But for now, I'm John O'Peck saying take care and keep putting in work.